Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. individuals are seeking to merchandise the gift of God from the people of God. Seeking to make a buck from, again, gullible people, good-hearted, good-minded people who are falling for their story. And yes, I'm going to name some names, and it may offend some, uh, but I think that you need to dig in to what these guys are truly teaching, what the truth of their doctrine is before you get too offended. Beware of anyone who tries to offer healing or answers to prayer for a price. That's a huge red flag. Any gospel that focuses on the need for you to invest money in order to gain earthly rewards is not the true gospel. As Pastor David continues our study of Acts in today's message, we'll be reminded that following Jesus is never about personal gain. It's about serving God and others. There are times God will bless you with resources but they're to be used towards his purposes, not yours. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 19 as he continues his message of tongues, hankies, and demons. thing that humanity has going for it is a lot of times we can be running full speed the wrong way, come to recognize we're going the wrong way, and instead of stopping and turning around, we just run harder and faster the way that we shouldn't be running. Because for whatever reason that we're going the wrong way, we're fearful of changing, we're fearful of turning, because we're comfortable where we're at. And I want to encourage you, don't be one of those, okay? That just keep going the wrong way once you know the reality and the truth. As I shared with you last week, we are in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 19. This particular section of the book of Acts, uh, this is kind of part two of, a, of our uh, message from last week. This is the second portion of it. I titled the message last week of tongues, of hankies, and of demons. And I said, don't blame me for the title. That's just kind of the way that Luke laid them out here in the 19th chapter of the book of Acts. And again, throughout the book of Acts, we see a tremendous amount of miracles going on. We see the power and the active work of the gifts of the Holy Spirit being manifest in in numerous ways. We see miracles of lives being transformed by and through the hope of the gospel. And you might recall, if you were with us last week, that again, I spoke that the gifts and the callings of God on your life, they're going to be and they should be different from others. There's a unique thing that God is doing in and through your life. Now there may be some similarities, but God calls each one of us 
to a particular walk for a particular purpose. And as again, last week I shared, if we were all the same, then most of us would be unnecessary. But God keeps us here because he has a plan and a purpose particular for each one of us. Another major point I tried to make last week is that as the Holy Spirit works differently in the life of each believer, he will gift each believer and he will put a calling on each individual believer for his purposes. We, uh, with, with that kind of an understanding, hopefully kind of pulling from last week, let's move on into chapter 19 of the book of Acts. Now, Paul had been in Ephesus before. On his second missionary journey, he actually stopped into Ephesus for a short time. We looked at that back in chapter 18. Uh, he had been ministering in the city of Corinth for about a year and a half, and then he had determined, no, I've got to now go to Jerusalem. He was gonna go to Jerusalem. He wanted to be there in time for the festival. They believe it's a Passover festival. And so when he stopped in Ephesus, he did not stay there for very long. So now here, in his third missionary journey, he's actually making good the promise that he made to them prior to that, that I would come back, that I'll, I'll come back again. And so here in Acts 19, he's back in Ephesus, and the Lord is going to use him in some mighty ways, totally different in some aspects than even what he, he had done before in his previous missionary journeys. And some of the ways he's going to be used, they're absolutely, definitely unique just to the situation at hand, but we'll get into that a little bit more as we get into the study. With Paul back here in the city of Ephesus, says that he went to the synagogue, and most likely he went right back to the synagogue where he had been before, where the people on his second missionary journey had said, hey, we want you to stay for a while. But again, as I said, he couldn't stay. He needed to go to Jerusalem. So now he's back in Ephesus. Verse uh, 8 of chapter 19 is where we're at. It says, and he, speaking to Paul, went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months. For three months, he's able to be in there in the Jewish synagogue teaching. And it says he was reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. There in the synagogue, Paul, who would not, who would not, not speak of Christ, okay? Every opportunity that he had, he would be speaking of Christ. And as he's speaking in that synagogue, for three months, you don't think that he's sharing with them about Jesus Christ being the fulfillment of the, of the promised one of Israel coming? Absolutely. For three months, he's there reasoning and persuading concerning the kingdom of God. And then in verse nine says, but when some were hardened, and did not believe, this is near the end of the three months, they did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, Paul departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning now daily in the school of Tyrannus. So for three months, he's able to be in the synagogue to reason, to persuade concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Had to be an absolutely amazing time Undoubtedly, individuals were coming to Christ because, again, disciples were there. They were being ministered to there in 
the synagogue during that time. And somewhere near the end of that three-month period, some of the Jews began to back away from what was being taught. I believe it was through the conviction uh, of the Holy Spirit within their lives. And rather than turning to what they knew now to be the truth, they continued on with Judaism and began to reject the message of Paul. They hardened their hearts, they did not believe, and they began to speak evil of the way. And when Luke uses that phrase, the way, we've actually seen that phrase used in the past back in Acts chapter 9. Back in Acts chapter 9, we we read as Luke tells us about a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. The same one we're speaking of here was Paul the Apostle. Saul of Tarsus at that point in time was headed up to Damascus to persecute those of the way. So it's a phrase that's been used a little bit later here in this 19th chapter. Luke uses it again, that again, uh, there was uh, the the, the Jews there uh, started raising up conflict and coming against those that were of the way. So again, we, we, we saw all these things happening. They saw the, the, the Jews in the synagogue, the Jews in the city of Ephesus, as well as the Gentiles. They so desperately needed to hear and to heed what Paul was saying. But instead, they continued to run as fast as they could in that opposite direction, harder and faster in the wrong direction. And rather than just listening and disagreeing, no, now they're going to turn and they're going to start persecution against it. They were hardened against the teachings of Paul and they spoke evil of the way before the multitude. So Paul departed from them, withdrew the disciples and began reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Now, this, again, very similar situation of what happened in Corinth. Remember, he was in Corinth for a while, teaching in the synagogue, and then the Jews in the synagogue rose up against him. There in Corinth, he went right next door to the house of justice and began teaching there. And he was there in Corinth for quite a while, teaching right next door to the synagogue. Well, here uh, in Ephesus, he begins teaching at the school of uh, a man by the name of uh, Tyrannus, whether he owned it or whether he was the lead teacher. His name, he's, uh, it's a Gentile name and it means the tyrant. So I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with how, what kind of a teacher he was or not, but uh, that's the school that he was at. Now, it's interesting, some alternate texts your version may not have it, have it in it, but uh, might be a footnote or something. But some alternate texts, uh, ancient texts, have that he actually taught there at the school of Tyrannus from 11 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. They would actually say from the 5th to the 10th hour, teaching from 11 to 4. And some commentators say that that actually makes a lot of sense since those were the hours that would constitute uh, the, the, the heat of the daytime that for the Asians, particularly around that Mediterranean area, they would take what you and I know as a siesta during that time. They would just close down shop, take a break, eat lunch, have a little snooze, come back to work about four o'clock in the afternoon. So I think that that's a wonderful custom that we're going to go ahead and try to uh, re-adopt, get it back into our culture. At afternoon nap after lunch, always a good thing to have. Well, verse 10 tells us that this situation of teaching there at the school of Tyrannus, this continued for two years. So he's teaching there in Ephesus for two years. 
so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And when Luke tells us that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word, some say that it's probably during that two-year period that out of Ephesus went individuals that kind of scattered on out through other cities and other areas in Asia sharing the gospel. Some say that this is probably when the uh, seven churches of Revelation actually got started. If you look on a map, you'll see that from Ephesus, you could almost go clockwise all around and hit all seven of the churches of Revelation. Those cities there, the, not only Ephesus, but Smyrna and Pergamos, uh, Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea, all of those, that region. If you remember too, earlier on in Paul's missionary journey, he wanted to go up into Asia, but the Holy Spirit kept him from it and, and he got the vision that he was to go over to Macedonia. But now the Lord is allowing the gospel to spread up in the area, all in God's timing, all for God's purposes. Whatever the case, there seems to be a time of, for about two years of relative calmness or at least the ability for him to continue to teach there at that school for two years. And during that time, God continued to work in a mighty way just to validate the ministry of the apostle. And I just got to share with you, he did it in some really strange ways. Look what it says here in verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. What kind of miracles, church? unusual or extreme, not the normal. <laughs> you ever think of a miracle as just a normal everyday miracle? No, I think they're all unique to me, but I, I love what Luke says. It's a, it's a unique miracle. It's a, an extreme miracle what's happening right here. Verse 12, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, there's some particular things going on here that uh, it, not only this miracle, but even in the background, I think it kind of helps pull all these things together. Luke doesn't really tell us verbatim, but it would appear as if Paul is back working, uh, making tents again. Uh, he's got these aprons, he's got these handkerchiefs that again, as he's working making tents, uh, they would take these things from him. Undoubtedly, probably from his time working the trade. And apparently, as he worked the trade in order to be able to afford the opportunity to teach during the rest of the day. So let me just give you kind of a scenario. Uh, again, it's speculation, but I believe that it fits within the biblical narrative that we have here. Paul would work beginning early in the morning, work till about 11 o'clock, take a break then from about 11 to 4, grab lunch, go over to the school of Tyrannus, all the other shops being closed that would give opportunity for individuals within the city then to come and be taught during the middle of the day to be under the teachings of the Apostle Paul. At the end of that time, they would close down the school, everybody would go back to work. Very possible this is going on. So Paul, very busy, both 
both working as well as ministering as he's teaching there at the school. There were still many people that were sick, many people that were dealing with demonic warfare within their lives, and they would take these handkerchiefs or these aprons there from Paul's shop and literally go and lay them on those that were sick, those that were demon-possessed, and again, uh, they were healed, uh, they were relieved from the demonic spirits. Now, what we have to be very careful of is when we read this, that we don't develop a hanky theology, okay? Be careful, don't develop a hanky theology. The problem is that I've already heard, you've probably already heard, a multitude of modern day prophets and evangelists offering to send out prayer cloths in return for your generous financial donation. It's happening all over and it has been, unfortunately, for years. And guys, I'll just be very straightforward with you. I feel 100% that these individuals are seeking to merchandise the gift of God from the people of God. Seeking to make a buck from, again, gullible people, good-hearted, good-minded people who are falling for their story. And yes, I'm gonna name some names. And it may offend some, uh, but I think that you need to dig in to what these guys are truly teaching, what the truth of their doctrine is, before you get too offended. Men like Kenneth Copeland, Morris Carrillo, Rod Parsley, Benny Hinn, and, and a, a, literally a host of others, I could go on. But in, all those that are in that word faith movement, they offer these cloths literally as, as gifts as long as you send in a gift. So I don't know, gift, uh, as long as I get a gift. Sounds like you're paying to get it. As a matter of fact, Rod Parsley and Benny Hinn uh, invited people to come to uh, a miracle prayer cloth service that was going to be held at Parsley's World Harvest Church and they invited them to come with the promise that there would be seven times the anointing power at this particular service and on these particular cloths. So you want to make sure and be there for that. As a matter of fact, their statement about the cloths declare, countless individuals have received their miracles over the years through the anointing resident in a prayer cloth. This is, abs there is absolutely nothing special about a piece of cloth, but it can be the catalyst that releases God's transforming touch into your life. The key to your physical or emotional miracle, financial healing, a loved one's salvation, deliverance from addiction, transformation in your relations, supernatural blessings, and clogged kitchen sink. No, I added that last one, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get carried away sometimes. Uh, stop it. On, on, Pars on Parsley's website, it goes on to say, maybe you'll never make physical contact with Pastor Rod Parsley, but you can still experience the anointing that God has placed on his life because the anointing is tangible and transferable. Morris Carrillo, he states on his website as he's pushing these prayer cloths, 
He says this prayer cloth was anointed with holy anointing oil, representing the Holy Spirit and prayed over. Place this anointed prayer cloth on your body, on your family table, or in your purse or wallet as a sign of your faith. This will strengthen your faith even more to receive your miracles. The power of God is upon this prayer cloth. Expect to receive. Guys, I think that there are charlatans that are declaring that they are part of the body of Christ, and I'm not doubting or questioning the salvation, but I am. I, I really do come against the teaching and the way it is. Last night I heard the story of a man who was having some major heart issues, and he had gone to Andrew Womack's church. Andrew Womack still in the word faith. And they began praying. He began praying that God would heal him. And his wife said, no, you need to go to the doctor. You need to get this taken care of. And he said, no, no, I believe God's going to heal me. The guy had great faith. He was, had faith in, that the Lord would heal him. And absolutely, we want that. We need that. Finally, he realized he was having more problems and it wasn't getting any better. He finally went to the doctor. They did some procedures. He came out healthy and strong. But the problem is, is he was under such bad teaching for so long. His response to his wife was, if I would have just learned how to pray a particular way, God would have healed me. I just wasn't under the teaching long enough. Let me ask you, church, do you think God is holding back your healing because of semantics? Because you've said the wrong word at the wrong time? That's asinine. That's absolutely ludicrous. And I believe it's even blasphemous. Somehow I believe wholeheartedly that these men and women who are in this movement that are doing these crazy things, they are missing purposefully the words that Luke declares here, that God worked what kind of miracles, church? Unusual miracles, unique miracles at the hands of Paul. Can God do that again? Yeah, I, I don't, he's God. I'm not going to limit that. But a lot of what we see right now is merchandising. The sad thing is, is I believe more than anything that most, if not all of them, know the fallacy that they're living under. And yet they continue to run harder and faster from the truth. I was listening to a podcast about a week and a half ago. A nephew of Benny Hinn, the grandson of Morris Carrillo, both of them speaking on this podcast about how they were actively involved for years and years in, quote, the family business. And they saw the abuse of individuals. They saw the abundance of the finances that came in. And again, the lavish lifestyles until finally this grandson uh, from Carrillo's, uh, this nephew uh, of, of Benny Hens, uh, separately from each other, they, they quit, they laid everything, they rejected all that was going on. Why? Because they saw the truth and they could no longer live and minister and act under it. They saw the truth and they made a change. And yet so many today still continue to run harder and faster away from the truth. As we shared last week, 
the gift and the calling of God in our lives and the way that God works in our lives. Guys, it's, it, we're not to mimic what God is doing in another's life or in another's gift. God was doing a supernatural and a unique work through the ministry of Paul, much like the hem of Jesus' garment. Remember, the woman with the issue of blood that came and just simply touched the hem of his garment. That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for the open word.